Here we are now with episode number three in our series, Mainstreaming Enlightenment. As heard here on the Andrew Lake podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake podcast, please share your favorite episode as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And I hope it's safe to assume that you are a regular listener if you've made it this far through the series, because now, well, we're up to episode number three. So if three times you've come back, I suspect that's safe to say you are a regular listener. So please, please do share it with someone. This will help me get things going. And today, in this episode, in this point in our conversation, or before we get into that, I'll just remind you again, do please listen to the first two episodes because it builds on what we are talking about here. The series does all go together, so go back, listen to those if you haven't already, part one and part two. And today, we're talking about Leo the Lion. Today, I'd like to take a look at Leo the Lion. And I'm sure you've seen this. This is an iconic trademark logo. Leo the Lion, if you don't remember, is the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Lion. So you would have seen him doing his big roar at the start of all these famous films, huge films, wildly successful mainstream films. And to describe a bit about this logo, we can go into some details. Well, he's the lion, he's roaring, and he's got this sort of golden film circled around him and these other frills out the side. And on either side, it says Trademark. Over the top, it says Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And then there's the registered trademark, the little R, which symbolizes that it's a trademark. And then along the bottom, it says an MGM Entertainment Company. And that's just about all that is in this logo, except that there's one more little detail, which is sometimes, I think, easy to miss, easy to overlook, and I've certainly overlooked it. And that is the writing that's over the top of the head of the line, just just below the main heading and above the lion's head, and it says, As gratia artis. And that is Latin for arts, for art's sake. And really there's a lot in this. There's really so much in the statement, art for art's sake. And that's not even, that's not even the reason why I think this is an example of mainstream enlightenment or enlightenment going mainstream. But it's just one of those curious details that I've stumbled upon which is quite rich, is quite deep. There's so much to it. 
And if you're an artist or a creator or an original thinker of any sort, you must contend with this statement, art for art's sake. And maybe we'll get into that as our conversation unfolds. But first I should say that there's something actually quite striking about the lion's roar. And it's really a kind of assertion or a kind of expression or a kind of event that a lion does that ties in with everything we are talking about with enlightenment. It has all the qualities of enlightenment. And just think, why would a lion roar? What does a lion want to say when it's roaring? It would appear that it's showing its dominance. It's showing how it's the king of the jungle. It's showing how you shouldn't mess with me because I can mess you up. And the symbol of the lion has been used in all sorts of literature and mythologies mythologies, as the, the coming out of weakness, the coming out of that kind of place that we so many times find ourselves in, which is of hopelessness, which is of suffering, which is of victimhood. The lion is not a victim. The lion is really full of the opposite of all those things that we could call the downside of the human condition. And I had the idea for this, and I was thinking more about this one day when I was at a friend's house, and he had this picture on his wall of a lion, and it was quite a large frame, and it was just sort of like a a decoration thing that he'd put up to you know, make his place look a bit more nice. And it was black, and it was highly detailed. It was probably computer-generated, probably wasn't a real picture of a lion. And there was something quite striking about it. There was something quite... There's an essence that comes across, and the lion was sort of standing there, and it had this sort of silent look about it, had this sort of serious, it wasn't quite seriousness, but it was a kind of, it's quite hard to put into words, there's an essence coming across, and it seemed so still, and it was set dead center of the frame, it was right in the middle of the frame, and the bits of the sides of the line were sort of fading off into shadow, And I thought, well, now, that is the sort of thing that you would want to put on your living room wall. I mean, of all the things like that, of all the things that that real estate could occupy, you'd think that a picture of a lion is actually, well, it makes sense because you want to be reminded of the profundity that is in the symbol of the lion. And that really comes back to, well, why have they chosen the lion for this symbol? 
Why is this such an iconic? I mean, they could have used any animal, right? They could have used any animal for the Metro Goldwyn Mayer logo. And there is something in the mood that happens. It does actually set the mood as to what's coming. Because what are you doing when you see this logo? Whenever you see this logo, what's, what is about to happen? And the thing that's about to happen is, well, you're about to see a movie. Now, years ago when I was a young whippersnapper, going to the movies was a lot more popular than it is now. Nowadays you have much more of the experience at home by yourself. But before in the internet was really just starting to come on, we would actually go to the movies and that would be an experience and you'd have to buy your ticket, you'd wait in line for a while and there'd be a big queue and then you'd be going in and the doorman would take your ticket and you'd sit down and you'd have your popcorn and people would sort of be murmuring quietly and then there'd be the advertisements and you'd be like, wow, the big advertisements and then, wow, the big advertisements for other movies like, oh, I really want to see that movie, makes it look so good. And then the lights would go down. They'd dim the lights. And there'd be this moment of silence. And the screen would open. The curtains on the screen would open a little bit further. It was almost as if to say, now here's the real deal. And then one of the symbols, often there were a few different symbols or trademarks that would play. But one of them would be the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And that lion roaring would really fit in quite nicely with what's about to come. It would be that thing that's in, in movies which is magical. It's that thing that makes you go, ah, movies. Ah, the magic. Now, seeing things on a big screen in the era that I was a child really was quite powerful in how it did that, how it had that effect. Now, in so many ways, we don't have that so much because we watch things on smaller screens or we watch things at home and we watch things that are produced by companies that don't really set up the introduction to the movie in such a way. But maybe that's just broadly speaking. Maybe it's hard to compare then and now in how the movie industry has changed. But the essence is what's significant. The essence of the movie, the magic of the movie. And that's tied in with everything that you are. It's tied in with the life that you are living. The hero's journey. Stories of struggle. Stories of love and heartbreak. Romance. Tragedy. Thrills. Thrill-seeking complex, danger, living life on the edge, action, confrontation, cops and robbers. (laughs) How about that for a real-life story, cops and robbers? (laughs) And the stories, the things that we experience in the movies, well, they speak to us because they have something of the real in them. And it's those moments of profundity that the movies have, which 
make us want to go to the movies. And even, even in the the 10-second playing of the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer logo is that essence. At some point, someone has said, we need a trademark for our company. How do we sum up in 10 seconds the magic of movies? How do we condense all of the stories, all of the different styles, all the different dramas down just into 10 seconds or less, into just one image? How do we really capture that? How do we have this microscopic thing and then how do we send it out to the masses? Everyone is going to see it. Everyone will recognize it. It's mainstream. It's, it's as mainstream as it comes. When we're talking about cultural icons, which the Metro Goldwyn Mayer symbol is, image is, then we're talking about as mainstream as it gets, right? That's, that's what the mainstream is. Something that every single person recognizes. And then when we're talking about Enlightenment, well, we're talking about something that is magic, something that is, you can't really put into words, something that, well, it's really beyond any discussion. It's beyond any sort of explanation. And here in this logo, we have the perfect example of those two things coming together. Now, it might be that you wouldn't really get much of a sense of the magic of the trademark if you just watched it by itself and you'd never seen it before. You might think, oh, that's a lion roaring. And maybe you would. I don't know. It's hard to pull these things out of the context in which they live. But also, on the other side, you could say that, well, you've always seen that logo. You've always had that trademark sequence played to you in that movement, in that moment of the movie theater, in that moment just after the advertisements and just before, just in that moment of anticipation as the movie starts. And so that in itself has also helped to build up the the weight of how it works, the weight of how it's functioning within culture and all the different things that go into having it as something within our mainstream culture. So it's tricky to say does is it is it a, is it an effective logo because they've created something that has the push of the magic or is it that they've pushed it into the mainstream and that's given it its own magic, that's given it its own significance? That's a tricky question. That's a really that, that that's a really funny way of trying to see well where do things come from? Where does this magic come from? Does it actually have some sort of origin and it's coming to us? Or is it sort of more like oh we're all connected and it's a kind of feedback? And what this means for us, what this means for you and me quite immediately is that well you can't know, and really it doesn't matter. And furthermore, the, 
question, the more fundamental question is, what does it mean to you? What can you get out of it? And it's like we can sit back and say, well, we can see that this logo is trying to get at something and it's done well and that's just successful branding. And I doubt you're going to have a peak experience from watching the logo. And maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what you do need to be getting out of it. I mean, what do I feel? I mean, I feel it's interesting. I feel it's something with a lot of insight around it. It's something that is quite astonishing to me how how in plain view it is and yet also how deeply profound it is. And I wonder, I wonder, does anyone really know? Does anyone else really get this? Does anyone else really see what's happening behind the scenes? And of course, it is also quite funny in some ways. I mean, there's lots of, I mean, there are a lot of commentaries on this logo and there's, (laughs) I don't know if you've seen this, but this is quite funny. Someone's, someone's made a, a photo of the behind the scenes of of this lion and Leo Leo the lion I, I don't know if I mentioned if it's called Leo the lion if he's called Leo the lion and in fact as the years have been going by it's been multiple lions but the funny photo is that someone's got this picture where the the lion is actually tied down almost like an animal cruelty sort of thing and then they've put the, the logo, the Metro Goldwyn Mayer logo, backwards. So you're seeing it from behind. So it's almost like you're seeing the lion having their head, having its head forced through this, <laughs> forced through this thing, and then it's like a kind of animal cruelty. And it's very funny. I mean, I had to laugh when I saw that. And obviously, someone's made it. I think someone's sort of done a Photoshop job or done something to. They they might have set up the whole thing, staged the whole thing, but. Of course, that's not how that's not how the logo was made. <laughs> but that that even gets to a deeper point. That even gets to something that's sort of a related issue. It's a bit of a tangent, but it is an issue, which is that when you see things on the internet, they might not be exactly as they appear. And in fact, most of the time they're not, because you could just look at that image of the lion being tied up and think, oh, that's outrageous. Animal cruelty. How could they do this? How could they do something to such a poor lion? And you wouldn't know, really. You could you could easily fall for it without even looking into it. And it might even be in many cases, and there are many cases in the internet on the internet, where they don't clarify it for you. They don't actually say, no, this is the setup, this is a dummy, this was just made for a laugh, or this was just made to get attention. And even in the case where there is a rebuttal or there is a clarification, you're not necessarily going to be able to find it. It's not necessarily going to be the next thing that you click on. So... That's a bit of a tangent that's a tricky one. I mean, the wild west of the internet. I mean, there's so much misinformation and things that 
don't make sense out there and things that really that that really can lend itself to outrage they can really lend itself to really feeling like things are confusing at best and a feeling of anger at worst so i think that's a bit of a tangent that we can't really go down today and my only quick advice or my only quick stop stock standard way out of that is to well not react it's to not react so quickly to things that you see and in many ways the structure of the very platforms that we're involved in is designed to encourage a kind of reaction but this i don't want to say too much more about this i mean probably the last thing i'll say about that is when you do find someone who's genuine someone who is really sharing something insightful and something that is coherent within itself and discusses things and is open and is transparent then well tre- cherish that really cherish that really really just realize that you've found something good in a world of chaos so to get back to leo the lion there was also this story that some robbers broke into the studio and leo the lion came to the rescue <laughs> have you heard this how about this for a story so originally they were just going to photograph the lion and put his head as the trademark and as they were photographing him some robbers came in and were trying to you know steal things or break things or have things cause a commotion within the recording studio i know outrageous right who would try and rob a recording studio or a film studio but this is how the story goes and the lion then heard that something bad was going on and he sort of came to the defense he came to the rescue by roaring and at that at that moment the producer thought now that sounds great let's put that in the logo let's put the roar in the logo and then there's also another version of the story where the lion actually attacks the robbers and actually kills one of them the lion actually kills the robber and comes to the rescue and then there's this whole big thing but of course these sorts of stories these sorts of crazy things well it gets back to can you believe <laughs> can you believe what you're being told can you believe what is actually out there because take it from me it is perfectly possible for film studios to create stories and mythologies around them for publicity stunts i mean i mean that's what they do they're in the story making business what a surprise that the company that tells stories to the masses has planted a story about themselves which is so outrageous that everybody would want to hear that story i mean everyone wants to know about that right what a great thing to say i mean every time imagine if every time you saw the metro goldwyn mayer 
logo, you'd think, now that lion, well, he's got quite a reputation, hasn't he? Do you remember the time he broke, he he attacked the robbers that broke into the recording studio? He came to the rescue. Yes, he's quite a lion, that thing. And of course, as we sit here, now appreciate it, because as as we sit here and talk about it from this point of view, it's very different to how it actually was when that story came out. It's a totally different ball game. Because now we've got the benefit of hindsight. Now we're not we're not in that era. We're not in the 1920s or 1930s or whenever it was. Might be that you didn't even know that Metro Goldwyn Mayer was that old. That much of a company that had been around for that long. But as we sit here, you see, we've got the benefit of being removed from that part of the culture, from that time and place. And we can easily see, we can sort of throw back our heads and go, ha, 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 ha. Aren't those people so funny to have believed that a lion would attack robbers that have broken into a film studio? And yet that's the situation we are in. That's the exact situation we are in right now with all the information that we have. With all the things that we hear in so many ways. And there will come a time, there will come a time when there will be people having conversations such as this about what we're following now and the stories we're following now and they will throw back their heads and laugh and think ah ha 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 isn't it so funny how silly that people believed the stories they were told at the time they were told them and that's something to ponder that's something to understand that's something that if you know and you can really keep as a part of your guard, you can navigate this information-saturated world a lot better. And it is just a funny story. I mean, isn't that such a great story? It's so good. The lion attacks the robbers. <laughs> and there's something more to understand about the, 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 the lion's roar more fundamentally. Now, we have talked about this before in a previous episode, which I called the most insane Osho lecture ever. And in that conversation, we talked about Osho and his commentary on Zorothustra. In fact, to get a little bit technical, it was a commentary on a commentary on Zorothustra because Osho was commentating on Friedrich Nietzsche, and Nietzsche had done the commentary on Zoroastrianism or Zarathustra, which was an ancient god, an ancient religion. And in that series, or in that story, in that mythology, there is the idea of the lion. And the lion is placed between the camel and the child. And if you want to listen to that conversation, go back and listen to it because that's 
got some funny stories in it that's got a lot of explanations and that's actually quite an amazing experience quite an amazing experience i had of the lion's roar so we don't need to talk about that again here you can go and listen to it but to really get back to the importance of the lion's roar we can understand something about the lion is placed between the camel and the child. So the camel is someone who just takes the weight. They're told what to do. They just go with it. And they have the weight on their back. They're weighed down. And yet the lion is the thing that is born from the camel and comes out and says, hey, I'm the boss now. I'm letting go of this weight. I'm the king. I'm in charge. And in many ways, that's only a halfway step towards enlightenment. That's only part of the story, an important part nonetheless, but it's only part of the story because the third part is the child who becomes very light. The child becomes very playful. Just imagine this child skipping down the street, merrily singing a song. It's a very different image to the lion, the king of the jungle. So is it that you can get these things just by seeing a 10-second trademark logo? Well, no. No, it's not. And it might be that You really have to go the full trip. You have to go deep into something and find really a whole bunch of methods and knowledge and experiences in order to then come back and have these things as little reminders, to have these things as little insights, things like the trademark symbol for a movie company. And if that's the case, if that's what you understand now, well then you should realize that you can't get this sort of understanding just from these little mainstream things, these little mainstream icons or these little mainstream artifacts, these little things that come up in popular culture. Popular culture is never going to tell you what enlightenment is. It's not going to give you enlightenment you never be able you're never going to be able to have it for yourself and see these things from those things it's somewhere else that you get it it's somewhere else that you find it it's somewhere else that you gain it for yourself and then when you come back you can see how it is in other things and it does say again and again that it's really up to you You really only see what is in yourself. You only really see the depth of something because of your ability to see the depth in something. Your ability to feel the profound, to be sensitized to the things that are triggering those more profound things in life is the key indicator of how you can have that happen for you. 
And I think it is very much curious. It's really quite curious that the Metro Goldwyn Mayer trademark does that for me. And I'm sure it does in a very subtle way for everyone else as well. I mean, there is something magical in it. Now, to say a little bit more about arts for art's sake. Art is always contending with meaning. It's always contending within the culture that it's in as to what is the significance of things. What is the purpose of this? Why is it here? And arts for art's sake is really a way of saying, well, there is no purpose. Why are we doing art? Well, it's for art. That's the end of the story. There's no, there's no reasoning. There's no statement. There's no commentary. There's no philosophical explanation. None of that. It's just, it's just here it is. Here it is just for the sake of it being here. And that is something that's well worth putting at the start of a movie. It's well worth putting at the start of a piece of cultural art, which movies are. And there's probably a lot more that we could say about this. There's probably a lot more that we could go into, but I think just a little bit for now is enough. And also that's all that's coming to me for now. So <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be scraping the barrel on you. I don't want to be sharing things that I don't have. So put that on the back burner, art for art's sake. And it's sort of funny that to understand that you need to contemplate it. To understand arts for art's sake, you need to actually have a discussion about it. It's sort of an end it's it's sort of an end of a discussion. It's not the beginning of a discussion. It's the end of all the, all the discussions about art. And yet to understand that you do need to go through the process and go to the back and forth and go around and maybe even in that in itself there's something in understanding all explanations or all reasonings. Because ultimately the only reason the only reason things are here is because they're here. They just are here. There is no reason for them. But there's there's a lot of back and forth in that. I can feel, I can sort of I can sort of feel this is a slippery slope that we can get into some tangles. <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of like the older oh, does it mean it? Uh, I I know what it is. It's the old argument of have you seen this? It's in one of the Yodorowsky films. There are these two men, these two old guys, and they're, they're sitting in the wherever, the pub or the theatre or wherever, and they're having this really heated argument. And one's saying, it matters where the wind is going, not where it's coming from. And then the other one says, no, I'm telling you, it matters where the wind is coming from, not where it is going. And they're saying this over and over and they're going back and forth. No, it's not where it's coming from. No, it's not where it's going. No, it's... And so on and so forth. And that's, 
that's the sort of thing that you get with this back and forth of why is art here? Why does art exist? Why do we have movies? Why do we have stories? Why do we have culture? What does it matter? What does it mean? What can we get out of it? All these sorts of things. It's the same thing. It's just a sort of flowing argument of back and forth. And at some point, you just have to say, well, it's just here, isn't it? It just is what it is. It's art for art's sake. It's movies for the sake of movies. It's stories for the sake of stories. It's insights for the sake of insights. It's shared experiences of momentary glimpses of something pure, something profound, as triggered by something in plain sight, something in the mainstream. And that's all I have to say for now.